Today I'm going to talk about the fact that I believe that there is a battle going on. It's a battle that as followers of Jesus we can easily get caught up in as we, there's things that we know are true in the Bible. We know, we read about what God did, how he gave his son as a free gift to die on our behalf so that we can be fully loved and accepted by him. And there's nothing that we need to do in order to earn our salvation and our relationship with him because of Jesus. We read it, we profess it, we say we, we, say we believe it, but sometimes there is a massive disconnect between what we say we believe and what we actually believe in our hearts. There's this battle going on. There's this, there's this battle going on within us uh, that we, 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 we believe these things, but yet we walk around all week as though we're still condemned. What's going on in our, in our heads is at war with what's going on in our hearts. Maybe you've been having thoughts that God's grace isn't enough for you. And so that there's something that you need to do. Maybe you need to act in a certain way in order to be more Christ-like, in order to act like a Christian. When I was a kid, I was a total rule follower. I, if, if someone said these are the rules, I was the, that, that kid that always wanted to follow the rules. I wanted to be really perfect. And I tried really, really hard. I felt that if I was to follow all the rules, then my teachers and my parents and God would accept me and love me more. And so I was on this mission to be as perfect as possible. Not only that, but I was also the first one to point out when someone broke the rules. When my sister came along, that was really easy because she was a rule breaker and I would always be pointing out the fact that she broke the rules and that she should be punished. And I almost enjoyed when she would get caught because then there's this comparison that would happen. I would be affirmed as the rule follower and she would be told, why can't she be more like your sister? And I would feel better about myself when she failed because I, it would make me feel more loved, more accepted. And this was reinforced over and over again throughout my childhood. And then when I became a teenager and I learned about God's grace, I learned what Jesus did and how he had died and paid the penalty for all of my sins and for whenever I failed. I, I, I heard about that, I believed it, but I, I don't know that I really totally understood or fully accepted it. It was really hard for me to accept because I had always grown up feeling like I needed to follow all the rules. And when I, and believe me, I, I said I follow, I wanted to follow all the rules, but I would often not follow the rules. I would, I would disobey, but then I would try to hide it. And I would feel this sense of shame every time I sinned, every time I, I broke the rules, because, and I had to sort of hide it from my parents, from my teachers, from, from anyone to know, because I didn't want to be known as a rule breaker. And oftentimes we can carry those feelings of feeling like we need to do something in order to be approved, in order to, to do something. And we would, we would constantly feel like if we did good things or if we tried to follow the rules, then maybe God would love us more. Let's read in Galatians 5.1 because I believe that we don't struggle that much with the theology of the Bible. We struggle with how to apply it and how it plays out in our everyday life and what it looks like in a personal way. So let's look at Galatians 5. 5 verse 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure to, that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. He's saying here, 
stand firm. Galatians 5.1, stand firm. If you're not, if you're not submitted to, to these, if you're holding on to all these rules, then, and, and you're, you're, then you're still not free. It's impossible for us to try to make ourselves right with God. We need God's grace. It's for freedom that we've been set free. And it doesn't matter what we do. It's Jesus plus nothing. And so Paul is urging people to, that Christ has truly set us free. Make sure we stay that way. Make sure we stay and don't get tied up into the laws of slavery. He calls it like slavery. The prize that we get is freedom, a, a life of freedom. So, but I believe that there is a battle going on and it plays out in three different ways. That there's a battle going on for us to, against legalism. There's a battle going on against legalists and there's a battle going on against license. So we're gonna look at all three of those this morning. The first one is the battle against legalism. Stand firm and fight against legalism. Galatians, two said, uh, Galatians 5 verse 2 says, Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you might obey every re regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now, Paul here is talking about circumcision. It's not something I know a whole lot about, but I do know that there are other types of religious law-keeping, religious practices that we all sometimes slip into in order to think that we're doing something that's gonna benefit us. But he is saying that if you are relying on any kind of religious act, that it is of no benefit for you. In fact, he goes as far as to say that if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping uh, with God by keeping the law, then you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now, sometimes we use that expression, oh, someone's fallen away from God's grace. Like that's when they've done something really, really bad. You know, the, one of those really bad sins, right? But here he's describing when you do, when you follow the law, and it's not about following the law, but it's about the motivation. If you're doing anything any kind of religious act, any kind of rule following, in order to get something from God, in order for him to, to, to find favor with you um, because of what you did, then you, are, you have fallen from God's grace. You have been cut off from Christ. Guys, this is not, he's not using like soft words here. He is speaking very strongly and warning this church in Galatia about this because he believes that this has the power to destroy us, our following of Jesus and destroy the grace that we can live in. He, it, 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 the thing that takes you away is a legalistic version of Christianity. A lot of times we'll, we'll take Christianity and we'll just add this legal, little bit of legalism in there. And, but he's saying that that legalistic view of Christianity is the same as falling away from God's grace. But then he says in verse five, but we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith 
expressing itself in love. So it's not about like whether you did the thing or whether you didn't do the thing. It's the, the only thing that, that we, when we live out by the Spirit, when we receive the grace and we live out our faith, faith that way, then, then, it, then it is expressed in love. Our, what is important is our faith being ex- itself expressed in love. Now, I don't know about you, but I sometimes when I think about the church, I sometimes think that we are more known for what we're against or for our legalism than for our love. And that is a huge, huge tragedy. It is a huge like departure from the essence of what it really means for us to follow Jesus. That it, to really be known as someone who follows Jesus, it's, we should be known as the people who love the most lavishly, that we express our faith through love, not that we're known for being the most legalistic people on the planet. What a shame, what a tragedy when that is what we are known for. But instead, he says that we should stand firm and fight against this slavery and, ex- and accept grace, accept this, that this is God's riches at Christ's expense and that there's nothing that we have to do in order to earn his favor. Even if that sometimes it, it, can, it can kind of like insult our pride or our sense of confidence, feeling like, you know, maybe it, our work ethic, like, you know, we feel like it's cheap, that we didn't do anything for it, so maybe it's less valuable. But that is, the truth is, is that God's grace is not cheapened because we don't do anything for it. That is the true gift that is given, and there's nothing that we need to do in order to receive it. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually struggle with receiving gifts. Sometimes when people give me really nice gifts, as much as I love gifts and I appreciate it, I have a sense of shame or guilt that sometimes comes along with gift, with gift receiving because I feel like I owe them something. I feel like I need to do something to pay them back, to show, like, it's hard for me to know how to, how to receive gifts. Have you ever had a situation when someone gives you a really, really nice Christmas present, but you didn't get them anything back? And instead of feeling good, it's like, oh my goodness, I just wish you hadn't done anything because I feel awful now that I, and I, it's like I can't even ex- experience or enjoy the gift receiving experience because I feel so much shame and guilt that I didn't do anything for you. And sometimes we can bring that same kind of attitude to God. It's like it spoils the gift of grace that God gives us because we feel like we have to do something to pay him back, to to earn some of his, you know, to, well, you did all this for me. I mean, sometimes I think people even approach coming to church that way. They're like, well, you know, I'm I'm doing something for God. You know, I'm, I I come to church on Easter and Christmas. And so that's my way of giving back to God. Or I, I, you know, I, I give in the offering and that's a way for me to, to give back to God. Guys, that is completely wrong. There is nothing that we owe to God. There's nothing that we owe in order to earn His grace. That is something that we, that we receive. We need to receive and receive freely. We are not bound by any rules in order to receive that. And if we do, it actually it takes us away from the essence of what that gift really is meant to be. We must hold on to grace instead of this religious rule following. If you, if you can't accept grace, the only alternative for us is legalism. It's this prison where we sometimes find comfort by the restrictiveness of that. It's like we're, we're bound 
by legalism. But instead, we, 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 we're, we're bound by it and we're not really free. The thing about legalism is that legalism doesn't communicate love. Legalism communicates judgment, it excludes people, but yet grace, it, grace in receiving that free gift, it does communicate love because it's like God first loved me and so now I can love others. What a, what a shame it is that we as Christians are often known most by what we're against than, what, than by our love. The body of Christ should be known for our radical love, for following Jesus with the same type of radical love, not for our moralism or our hate or the things that we're against. Legalism, does, legalism doesn't do that. It doesn't communicate love. The body of Christ should be known for a radical Christ-like love. Number two, we're in a battle, a fight against legalists. Galatians 5 verse 7 says, You were running the race so well. Who held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing these false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. And so in this, he's like saying, you guys, you guys were doing so well. And then what happened? Who is it that that's held you back? It's like the, you guys were running really well and someone stuck their foot out and tripped you while you're running. And, 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 and he, he uses the illustration of a little yeast that goes into a batch of dough. A little yeast doesn't take much and it changes the consistency of the whole batch of dough. And it can be like that for us church. When we, when, when legalists get in, in our midst and, and start to share false teaching as though like, there's something more we need to do. Oh, you know, you can be a follower of Jesus, but you also need to do this, this, and this. And we add that in, that extra, those legalists add that, that false teaching, that bad doctrine into our theology, into the way that we live and practice our faith. And then it changes the consistency of the church. We, it, and he's warning this church in Galatia, and, and also it applies to us today, that church, you need to keep those legalists and there's their false teaching out of the church. And he goes on in verse 11. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Now, he is using strong language here. Basically, I mean, mutilate is a nice word of saying, he's saying, I wish they would, if they're going to destroy, cut you, I, would, I hope they get cut. I hope they get castrated. He's using really strong language there um, because he wants us to be aware that they, if, if you allow people who are legalists into your community and into, allow that behavior to breed, that it will destroy the whole batch of dough. It'll, it'll, and he wants them out. We need to cut that out of, our, of, of God's church. We need to, to realize that if we give legalists influence over the church, that it will, it'll quickly change the consistency of who we are. 
There's three things, ways that we can sometimes recognize a legalist. And so maybe you are one, maybe you live with one. So here's some ways to spot if there's a little legalism, legal, if you're or you are a legalist. Legalists spend more time talking about what they're against than what they're for. We've seen this, right? We've seen this played out in lots and lots of ways. It's, it's always what they're against. You know, they see someone doing something and they're judging them. You know, you know I saw someone, you know, no tattoos, no alcohol. No, and they see, they see people doing these behaviors that may or may not even be wrong, but, they, but they, they're quick to point out and let everyone know what they are against. Also, legalists, they tend to have a relatively small circle. They, they, they like to be exclusive and be around people that are just like them. There's, there's no diversity amongst them because they, they, they judge and they're critical of those, those outsiders. It's very much an in and an out. And church, that is not how we're meant to be. We are meant to be the most inclusive place on the planet because God's grace is for everyone and God's grace doesn't leave anyone out. And Number three, legalists, they get angry and offended when they're confronted. Jesus had experiences with this. When he confronted legalists in his days, who were the Pharisees, what was their response? Did they, you know, when he confronted them, did they say, oh, yes, I recognize where I was wrong. I repent. I change my ways. No. What do they do? They, they crucified him. That is the response of a legalist when they are confronted is to get angry and to get offended. So church, let's check our hearts. How do we receive confrontation? How do we receive when someone, when someone challenges us or asks us about something that looks at our hearts, how do we respond to that? You see, legalists, they, they think that their good deeds elevate themselves over other people. So we've talked about the fight against legalism, the fight against legalists, and the third one is the fight against license. And in Galatians 5, the first 12 verses, verses 1 through 12, it's all about the fight against legalists and legalism. But the third is looking at not, is, is not about abusing the gospel. So the first, the first part is about not losing the gospel. The second part is about not abusing the gospel. If I don't need to be bound by any religious laws, then why should I follow any laws, right? I mean, if God's going to forgive me, then, you know, I don't need to follow any laws. I can be free, right? But he is saying that you can't, it's not about having license to do anything. We have to fight against that license. Galatians 15, uh, 13, Galatians 5, 13 through 15 say, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring each other, watch out, be aware Beware of destroying one another. We didn't receive God's grace so that we can run out and sin more. We receive his grace and our response to his grace is gratitude. It's gratitude because, it, because we've received something so wonderful. Our response is love and we want to honor Christ. We want to follow his example of how to live. It's a free gift that we can receive and our response to that free gift is gratitude. We respond to others 
in love. And in, we, and it's so important, church, that this is what we are known for. That, that, that he said sums up in one commandment, love one another's above yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I want to ask you, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with loving your neighbor as yourself? Do you want your neighbor to have the things that you want to have? Do you want your neighbor to get the job that you want to get? Do you want your neighbor to find a spouse to enjoy life with as much as you want to find that? Do you want your neighbor to find success in life as much as you want? Are you hoping, are you rooting for them? Are you hoping for them? Are you doing what you can to help them out? as much as you're trying to help yourself out. Church, we need to be known as people who love so extravagantly that we are known as people who love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. And church, that is what we, that is what the true meaning of living in grace is all about. I wanna ask you today, Maybe, maybe you need to be asking God to, to test you in this. Maybe this is a way that you can maybe even ask God, God, give me someone who's difficult to love and so we can respond in love, so we can respond in, in love with the grace that's been given to us. You don't have to have, um, we, don't, we don't have to have a relationship with God. We get to have a relationship with God. It's, we, don't do, we don't come to church because we have to. We come because we get to. And that is the beautiful thing when our motivation of the reason why we're doing the things isn't because we have to or we're obligated or because it's the law, but because we're choosing. We're choosing to follow Jesus. We're choosing to honor him with our lives. And we're choosing to love our neighbor. Church, I hope that we can be the kind of community that can fight for a community that is known by our love, a love that was given to us as a free gift of grace. And as we worship together today, and as we close this time together, I wanna encourage us to not let us be bound up by legalism, but let's live in the freedom and the grace that God gives us.